91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the Bradley Basin Studio inside the Auburn University Student Center. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside co-host Jacob Hillman on this fine Thursday afternoon. Pretty decent weather outside. Pretty good weekend ahead. You talk about talk about decent weather. Wait till it cools off a little bit Saturday and Sunday. I can't wait. Got a cold front coming in, uh, you could say. Uh, nonetheless, though, it's the best time of the week, Thursday at 2 o'clock here on WEGO Auburn 91.1 FM. Uh, if you would like to call into the program, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells out Weagle. Got an action-packed show for you folks today. Recapping Auburn, Georgia. Looking forward to Auburn traveling to Fayetteville. Then we have college football predictions in segment two. Going to look at the NFL in week three. A lot of drama going on there this week um, within a few organizations. And then in segment four, uh, I think I said week three just now. In segment three. There you go. Uh, and then in segment four, uh, we will be closing out with some MLB playoff races. Jacob's team and my team, the Braves and Red Sox, both locked up championship series spots uh, this past week. So uh, Exciting. Yeah. Exciting. So, both of them will probably lose. Yeah. <laughs> but. Well, we both, I don't think we both saw this really coming the way it, it happened. Right. Uh, three to one victories in both series for our respective teams. It was but three, we'll get to it later. Yeah, we'll get to it later. But nonetheless. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Auburn at home this weekend against their one of their biggest rivals, Georgia, and the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Drop at home uh, to the Georgia Dwags, you could say. The Georgia Dogs, 34-10. to Auburn loses at home. Stetson Bennett throws for 231 yards, um, and Auburn drops out of the AP poll as a result of this game. Um, initial thoughts from this one, Jacob? Well, one, I'll go ahead and note that it was the worst home loss for Auburn since 2015 against Alabama when Derrick Henry had that late touchdown to put him up by three scores. But the initial thoughts were Georgia was as advertised. They came in and they handled business well. They they really did not look good on that first drive. Auburn pieced up that Georgia defense on the opening drive, but was only able to manage three points from it. And then after that, it was all Georgia. That's all it was. Yeah. It, it was still close at halftime, but it was to the point where you thought, Man, if Auburn doesn't get a three and out and a score coming out of the second half, they can't win. And they got a stop, but they did not get the score. I think the biggest thing is kind of what you just said was after that first drive, you know, Auburn, I think they ran 17 plays. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they chewed up a lot of clock. They were really moving the ball, missed a scoring opportunity. Um, and you saw Brian Harson when he got close to the end zone on Saturday, tried to be aggressive because those opportunities were not going to come often to get close to the end zone. Um and really, after that first possession, Auburn's offense had a tough time moving the ball. Well, here's a stat. Talk about the 17 plays. 17 plays on the first drive. Guess how many total plays over the next five drives? I'd say anywhere short of 25. 17. Yeah. It was 17 drives on the 17 plays on the first drive, 17 on the ensuing seven or five. Yeah. And I, I, uh, a thing also to note with Auburn's offense coming out of Saturday, there's a lot of different things to look at especially including the fact that I think this game was a little bit closer than the score indicates, besides a few big busted plays, was um, Auburn's receivers, once again, being a liability on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, Bo Nix did have a few plays where he was having to scramble once again just because Georgia's front seven was so dominant at the line of scrimmage and winning the battle in the trenches. Um, but Auburn shared the wealth in the drop of uh, 
of passes on Saturday in Jordan Hare Stadium. They did. I I think Stat Broadcast said they had 17, which was kind of impossible because Bo Nix only had 17 incompletions. Mathematically, it was. Yeah. But, I mean, it was probably seven to eight drops, and a lot of them were Demetrius Robertson on Shed Jackson. possible big plays. Uh, Sean Shivers. Sean Shivers. Passes. And there was a few where Sean Shivers wasn't even looking, and yeah. Bo was having to get rid of the ball, so I wouldn't count those as drops, but... Um, it's just a it's just a thing of coming down to the fundamentals. And Sean Shivers said to the media this week it was a lack of focus. Uh, and I mean, yeah, you think to say the least. So um, I don't know. Offensively, Auburn just had a tough day in Jordan Hare Stadium. I mean, Bo Nix only going twenty one of thirty eight for two seventeen and an interception. His QBR was sub forty. Um, rushing the ball, Auburn only had a total of forty six yards. And Tank Bigsby only had twenty eight yards himself. Jarquez Hunter with eighteen. Um, and I think that's something that Auburn has also lacked lately. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know if Tank's been hurt the last few weeks or battling some sort of minor injury, but the presence of Tank Bigsby has been really non-existent the past several weeks. You're right, and he had that one touchdown run that was really impressive. But other than that, yeah, you're right. He, it's been non-existent. I'm not sure if the injury is the, the reason for him not getting the carries, because clearly he can play and he is running through it well. But, yeah, he's not getting enough carries to actually have a presence. Ten carries for 28 yards, of course, you're going against the best defensive line in the country. So it's tough to get him a lot of carries and hope that he can just, you know, make with what he's got for 100 yards. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, and of course you have Jarquez Hunter with him. I mean, a freshman that's really from the get-go with the Brian Harson staff. Um, I mean, they, they went out and got him out of Mississippi. They like him. I mean, he's had a phenomenal freshman season so far. You have the veteran and Sean Shiver. So, I mean, I know that there's several bodies in that running back room, but, I mean, that's one of, if not the best running back in the league and the country. Right. If he, I mean, just looking at the box score, Tank Bigsby did get all the carries. He had 10 carries for 28 yards, but then nine carries between Jarquez and Sean. And I think it's kind of a by-committee thing where, like you said, Shivers, he's the veteran. He's been here for a long time. He's made big plays. Jarquez Hunter, he's been so impressive when Sean Shivers was absent due to COVID and whatever he was dealing with and then Tank Bigsby obviously he had his, he did his work the first few weeks and now it's kind of after Penn State he hasn't really had as big of a role even right. last week in Death Valley you're right um, I mean and I think for Auburn that's really a key um, for the offense moving forward Auburn's officially at the halfway point of the season um, they've played six games they're four and two um, I mean it's it's really coming down to establishing the run and then your receiver's being able to catch the balls they're supposed to be able to catch. One other thing I want to note about Tank. So remember back to the Georgia State game. He had that one fumble. Do you think that possibly that that's part of it? I think it could be. I think he's got to earn his strikes back in which I feel like he would have done that against Georgia because, like, that touchdown run was really impressive. He looked good on the first drive. He did. And the touchdown run was impressive. It was just that what else are you supposed to do against that team? Yeah. That's, that's the best defense Auburn will play all year. Um I mean, to even to even get a touchdown on the board against a team like that is something a lot of teams haven't been able to do this year. No, and I don't think a ton of teams will continue to do. I mean, the Auburn's opponent this weekend wasn't able to do that. No, they were not. Clemson were, wasn't able to do that. I mean, Arkansas wasn't able to put a field goal up against yeah. them. Defensively, I mean, Auburn had a few busted uh, plays, uh, and not to single anybody out, but Nehemiah Pritchard did get burned um, a few times by uh, Ladd McConkey. He had five receptions Man. for 135 yards and a touchdown. I mean... That's a freshman. I don't know if he's a walk-on or not a walk-on, a first-year or a uh, redshirt. 
Um, but Nehemiah Pritchett had his day worked out for him. Losing smoke Monday early doesn't help due to a targeting call. Um, Auburn's defense really kind of gave it all they had, but once again, that defensive line got hardly any push in the pass rushing game. Um, and I think the run game really wore Auburn out in the first half and the second half. Auburn's run defense was not um, a force to be reckoned with at all. Not even close. That first drive of the second half, I thought maybe the Auburn defense had a chance at a three and out, but then they just couldn't stop the run at all. And, of course, they Georgia ended up get, getting stopped. I think they kind of stopped themselves when they started throwing the ball in that drive. But, yeah, you're right. The big thing is, look at – I go back to the drive chart that I was talking about. 17 plays on the first drive, 17 over the next five. The defense was getting no breaks whatsoever. It was three and out, three and out, maybe get a first down, three and out, three and out. So I really think that that's part of why the pass defense suffered was because the defensive line got no push and didn't stop the run. So they were kind of forced to defend for a long time. And just look at the top three receivers. Lab McConkie, you mentioned, five receptions, 135 yards, 27 yards per catch and a touchdown. Brock Bowers, two receptions, 43 yards. That's a 21 and a half average. And then Darnell Washington, his one catch for 25 yards. It's tough to do much when three guys are averaging over 25 yards per reception. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to keep up with that, and Auburn did not. Yeah. Uh, biggest thing for Auburn now is to flush it um, and move on. It's in the past, but uh, it, it is worth noting that um, Auburn has not beaten Georgia since their regular season matchup of 2017. They lost in the SEC championship that year, um, and since 2010, I believe Auburn is something like three and like – Nine or the record's 10. not good. Yeah, it's it's not good. That's something that I think a lot of Auburn fans are going to look towards Brian Harson for in his tenure while he's down here in Auburn. I think about the last time they won in Athens was 2006? Yeah. 2005. I, I'd like to give Harson some breathing room due to the fact that he's a first year and that's probably going to be your national champion this year. I was going to say, I mean, we said it last week, I think this Georgia team is different than past Georgia teams. I think this team will get it done. And Saturday, further... Regardless of who's that, in the quarterback position. Right. I mean, I think that Bennett is better than JT yeah, Daniels. I completely agree. I wish that Daniels had played because then you don't have the mobility of Stetson Bennett. We, we said this last week, but I just, yeah, I think Georgia will be your national champion no matter who the quarterback is. So we'll give we'll give Harson and them some breathing room, but for the years to come, especially when Harson gets recruiting classes in, uh, this is definitely a, uh, a rivalry that will not sit well with Auburn fans if that boat does not get turned around in his under his leadership. But – Moving on, this weekend at 11 a.m. Saturday morning on CBS, the 4-2 Auburn Tigers travel to the 4-2 Arkansas Razorbacks. Auburn is unranked, like I mentioned earlier. But Arkansas ranked 17th after a heartbreaking loss at Ole Miss, 52-51, an absolute shootout. Um, so they're coming off of a two-game losing streak, both of those games on the road in the SEC. Back home, a very hungry Razorback team who we know is capable of beating good teams this year. Um what are we looking at this Saturday when Auburn Travis to, travels to Fayetteville to face uh, K.J. Jefferson and Traylon Smith? Well, Traylon one, Burke, one other thing to mention is how last year's game ended, obviously. Yeah. George, uh, Arkansas fans will remember that clearly. I don't know how much impact it will have on the crowd. It's an 11 a.m. kick, and that is favorable for the road team. So Auburn fans rejoice for an 11 a.m. kick for once. This is good for the Tigers. But, yeah, I think a big thing is the crowd might be really into it. It might not be. They're coming off two losses on the road. It's but I be think what you, I think what you mentioned is something that a lot of people don't think about um, is that bad taste in their mouth from a year ago. Yeah, and that, that can work either way. It can be too much on their minds, or they might have just enough fuel that will get them the victory. But that being said, I do like Auburn a little bit in this game because 
I think they can get back to running the football like they haven't really done the last two weeks. And not that Arkansas is, you know, a bad rush defense, but this ain't Georgia. Obviously, LSU is not LSU of the past, but the game plan for that game was obvious. It was to throw the ball. This game, I think, you've got to establish a run early. You got it. You almost had to have a drive like you did to open the game against Georgia, but you got to score a touchdown. That that's the big thing. If you score touchdowns, you've got a chance. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is going to be who win who wins the running game on Saturday. Obviously, Arkansas has Traylon Smith in the running game, but they also have one of, if not the best wide receiver in the country, with Traylon Burks out wide, which. We saw last week, scary. Yes, uh, especially with a young K.J. Jefferson. We've been praising him so far all year on this uh, program here on Weagle. Is, um, that's just a young quarterback with a gun-slinging arm. He's already thrown for 1,200-plus yards with nine scores this year. Um, I really think this game could definitely come down to whoever has the ball last. Um, the spread's in favor of Arkansas by 4.5. I'm going to have to go against your prediction on this one, Jacob. I think I'm going to pick Arkansas at home. I think they win by a touchdown late. Um, I think it'll be truly a back-and-forth game, but I feel like Auburn secondary might struggle trying to keep up with K.J. Jefferson and those different weapons. And to give a score, I think it's going to be high scoring. Auburn has scored 30-plus points in their last eight meetings at Arkansas. It could be very high scoring. I mean, it might be like Ole Miss-Arkansas last weekend. Yeah. Help our hearts if that happens, but yeah, I'm here for it. I say 42-35 Arkansas. I'll just say same score, but flip the, flip okay. the winner. That will do it for the Auburn recap. Join us on the other side of this quick commercial break. All, uh, Auburn football is done for today's show. Bay and Jacob will break down college football on the other side of this break. Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. If you want to be a part of the show, call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-9345. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay March. We just wrapped up our Auburn football discussion as they head to Fayetteville this upcoming weekend. Now let's move into all of college football. Not a ton of good matchups during the week this week. Oregon plays Cal, but we know how that's going to go, so we're not going to talk about it. We will move straight ahead to Saturday's matchups. Saturday morning. There, there, there's some matchups that are intriguing. We'll, we'll start with the number three Cincinnati Bearcats hosting UCF. I think we know who we're going to go with this, but I will talk about it a little bit because the Bearcats have a great chance of making the college football playoff this year. I was just about to say it's, it's kind of uh, peculiar to see a number three by the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, the spread is 21, which is insane. Um, obviously, we're going to go with Cincinnati here. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how the rest of their season plays out. I mean, they have road games at Navy and Tulane, which will be no cakewalk. Um, and so far, they have one ranked matchup left at home against number 23 SMU uh, as of right now. So um, we'll see how the rest of their sca- schedule pans out. This one won't be uh, difficult for them against a Gus Malzahn-led UCF night team. Um, so take me or give me Cincinnati at home at 11 a.m. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo exactly what you said. Right now, their schedule is not difficult the rest of the way. They got 23 SMU at home in November, but other than that, I don't see any team really challenging them. The only one I could see would really either be Navy or Tulane, and also just due to the fact that it's on the road. Right. We see how Tulane plays. Um, they played Auburn two years ago. They so did. Navy's also difficult to game plan for. So I'm picking Cincinnati. I think UCF might cover this game, though, just because rain 
and Justin Malzahn always finds a way to keep a game close till the end. So I think UCF will cover, but Cincinnati will win this game. Another 11 a.m. kick. Number 10, Michigan State going to Bloomington, Indiana. Any chance of the Hoosiers upsetting? You know, I am going to make this my upset of the week. Um, I've liked Michigan State so far this year, but at home, Pennix Jr. in 11 a.m. game. They're 2-3 and three right now, so they're um, being counted out for this game, and the spread is only 4.5 in favor of Michigan State. I think that the Hoosiers cover and they win, um, and I think it's going to be on the back of Pennix. I think he's going to have a great day throwing the ball. I think the key for the Hoosiers' defense, though, will be containing Peyton Thorne, who's already thrown for nearly 1,600 yards, so uh, they're have to contain him and his arm. Yeah, Thorne has been extremely good this year. Like you said, those stats are incredible through just six games you know I like Michigan State in this game I like them covering as well I think that the Spartans are they're on a good roll where they're not really going to lose until Michigan next week and that's kind of that'll be their first loss and they'll come back down to earth because they haven't really played anyone that good yeah that's the issue I don't think Indiana's good enough to beat them yet because Michigan State's still riding that high but they got Michigan next week, and in their last two weeks, they travel to Ohio State and host Penn State. Those are all L's. But we'll move on to a top 25 matchup. Big noon kickoff. Oklahoma State goes to DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, to face the Longhorns. I mean, it's kind of hard to not pick Texas, even though they're the uh, lower-ranked team in this game. Oklahoma State's undefeated so far this year. They've had a great season so far, especially their defense. Um, but you have to pick Texas at home, especially with the way the last week ended and the way that the Longhorns and Casey Thompson played. I mean, he's been magnificent so far this year for them. There was a big question mark on his name for this year, but a Sark-led offense at home, especially with how the Red River rivalry ended last weekend, I think Texas comes out, and I think they take their frustration out on the Cowboys, um, and they are going to give them their first loss of the year. Love Texas in this game. I love it because John Robinson, his, I think he's truly finding his groove now. I mean, he's already got 789 yards on the ground. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. He's going to keep running, and he's going to run well. So I've got Texas. Hey, tickets are $6 for this game. Hey, maybe the home, home field advantage won't be as, yeah. as much as we think. But we'll move on to an SEC matchup. This game should be played at night, but it's not. Florida going into Death Valley. Obviously, LSU coming off two consecutive losses. Do the Tigers get it done this week? They kind of need to for their head coach. They get three consecutive losses. I agree. Uh, Florida on the road. I mean, after that loss to Kentucky, they kind of took their aggression out on Vanderbilt at home last week in a 42 to nothing throttle. Um, and LSU's just, they're not it, man. Besides Max Johnson and, and Boutte, I don't think they really have anything going for them. So give me Florida on the road. The spread is 11 and a half. I'll actually make this one a little interesting, though. I think LSU covers, but Florida's going to win. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, you talk about the spread. If I can find it really quickly. It's 11.5 in favor of Florida. Well, yeah, th- there's a stat. It is like, okay, here it is. This is the first time since 2001 that LSU is a double-digit home underdog versus someone other than Alabama. Wow. Ironically, the LSU coach that year was Nick Saban and the Tigers lost 44-15 to to Steve Spurrier's Gators as a 13.5-point favorite. Wow. I'm picking the Gators in a blowout. Yeah. That, that stat is brought to you by Chris Felicia the Bear on College Game Day. But I... I don't know. I just really don't like LSU this year. I don't think they're very good. I think that's why Auburn was able to kind of win that game after starting off slow. Came back just like that. So, yeah, I'm taking Florida in a big one. All right. One more SEC matchup at 11 a.m. Texas A&M, Missouri. Who we got? Quickly, just Texas A&M. I mean, yeah. How do they how do they bounce? How do they keep going off of that? 
big win at against Alabama. Yeah, I mean, we we expect a little bit more out of Missouri this year, but their defense is actually kind of horrific. Um, they're 500 on the year, 0-2 in conference play. A&M, they're going to get the dub on the road. I think they cover the spread, um, but Missouri's not going to really put up any fight at 11 a.m. Yeah, Missouri's not very good, but my thoughts on A&M are that, man, they're just up and down. They they really are, and I think they might ride this high for another game or two um, yeah. and then probably come back down against Auburn maybe. Probably. We'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> 2.30, CBS Game of the Week, number 11, Kentucky, undefeated. Goes to number one, Georgia, undefeated in Athens. Forgive me, but is this game day? It is. Okay, a 22-and-a-half-point game mm-hmm. spread for a game day. I really <laughs> wish it was in Kentucky at least. I mean, look at this matchup predictor. Holy cow. Um, no, it's... It, you have to pick Georgia. I mean, Kentucky's had a great season so far. They're 6-0. and They've found ways to win games, especially against Missouri and University of Tennessee Chattanooga, even South Carolina on the road. Um, they beat Florida at home, and they just beat LSU last week. But, I mean, come on. If you've been paying attention to Georgia at all, they move up to number one this week. They're allowing less than six points a game. You have to pick Georgia at home. That stadium is going to be absolutely rocking oh, in Sanford Stadium. So. I just pray that the Kentucky Wildcats make make it out with their dignity in one piece. Yeah, I'm picking Georgia, and I think that Kentucky will cover barely. I think it's going to be like a 21-point win for Georgia and not super high scoring. I don't even think Kentucky can cover. I mean, we saw what happened between Georgia and Arkansas. You're right about so, that. I mean, You're right about that. But th- this week's different. I think I think Kentucky's better than Arkansas. That's I'm gonna, what I'll say. I'm going to be completely honest. Just real quick, side note, in the macro perspective of everything, if you're looking at it, it's really kind of just Georgia and then – Oh, you're right. Order. You're right. I think it's, it, it's it's Georgia really high. Alabama's like two steps lower. And then it's just. Then it's a, yeah. Yeah. That's just why I don't really have any confidence in Kentucky. Speaking of Alabama, how do they respond in Starkville against Mississippi State? Alabama is going to respond very well. Uh, yeah. Their, their second straight road game. Um, I mean, just the way that they showed fight against Texas A&M there in the home stretch of that game on Saturday night. They came back, took the lead. Um, I mean, they they had a lot of mental mistakes, and they kind of killed themselves in that game. Or they shot themselves in the foot, but I think they're going to come back. I think they'll, they're going to be more focused. And we kind of see this out of Alabama every other year, is that one loss where everybody kind of questions their character and their demeanor, um, and then they kind of just come back and pummel some yeah. poor opponent out of the SEC. Yeah, they'll, so. they'll, they'll, they will bounce back with a nice 50-point victory this yeah. week, probably. I, I say they cover pretty easily. It's only a 17-point spread, which is kind of kind of crazy, but yeah. I, they obviously win this game. Well, the thing is, I do think that this is a tough offense to game plan for Will Rogers, 1,800 passing yards through five yeah. games only. Yeah. I mean— Seeing that, their defense respond will be interesting. Yeah, it's tough to game plan. So they just gave up 41. They need to make sure— To a backup. Yeah, they, they need to make sure they don't give up more than that to yeah. Will Rogers and company, but I don't think they will. I think Alabama wins this very easily. Moving on to the ABC game. Oklahoma, they got some quarterback controversy. They also have some media controversy. They host TCU. I don't think we're going to see Spencer uh, Spencer Rattler, but do you think Oklahoma wins this game like they should? I think they win, uh, but did you see the the thing about the student reporter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, for those of you who don't, don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Hillman, but Apparently, a reporter from the student newspaper at the University of Oklahoma used uh, binoculars and was on top of a university building. Yeah, it was kind of... So, let's pretend you went on top of the Haley Center and they were practicing in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yeah. That student was looking through binoculars to see who was getting first-team reps. And it was not Spencer Rattler. It was not Spencer Rattler. So, Lincoln Rally shut down media availability for the whole week. Maybe uh, two weeks ago, you should have gone on top of the Haley Center and seen if it was TJ <laughs> or Bo starting. Man, that would have that been something. But, uh, no, I, I think Oklahoma wins this one at home. Uh, 
the way they finished the Red River rivalry, especially with the change in quarterback, um, I think that kind of gave them a big boost. Um, and TCU last week, I mean, they played really well, especially early against Texas Tech, was watching that game. Um, they played well early, but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat Lincoln Riley in this offense. It'll be interesting to see if the freshman Caleb Williams, who was subbed in for Spencer Rattler in that game last week, kind of proves himself as a starter. Because if he does that, then I think Oklahoma has a good chance this year at making sure they get into the playoff. All right, big SEC matchup, in my opinion. I mean, huge. 13 Ole Miss going to Neyland. Tennessee's playing good football right now. With that being said, they've only beat South Carolina and someone else that's bad, Missouri. But, dude, we're going to find out for real who is actually real. It's the Lane Kiffin Bowl. Yes, it is. And <laughs> What's even crazier about this game is the over-under is 83. So Vegas is, is looking for a shootout. Well, uh, I mean, think about this. It's two and a half by Ole Miss, so they're looking at like a 44 to 42 score almost like that. Yeah. I mean, in Rocky Top. Um, I think I think Ole Miss will take this one. I think that Rocky Top will be rocky. I think it's going to be an insane environment. Um, I think those fans have really bought in with this 4-2 start this year, halfway through the season. But I think Matt Corral, I think he's kind of my Heisman front runner right now, um, and especially the way he ended the game last week against Arkansas, coming out with a huge W at home. I think he's going to go in on the road, prove why he's at the top of that Heisman conversation, um, and I think him and Lane Kiffin are going to have a great game plan dialed up. Have you seen the videos of them in practice this week? I have not. With the country music? Oh, you need to look it up, dude. It's hilarious. But it is. It's it's. I think it's from Lane Kiffin's personal account. Probably. It's got to be. <laughs> it's it's awesome. got to be. Well, I'm picking Ole Miss as well, and I think they win this pretty easily. I'm not buying into Tennessee yet. I just can't. It's hard to do that. Yeah. So we'll go out west, and we'll look at UCLA-Washington. Washington, a one-and-a-half-point favorite hosting UCLA. Remember, when UCLA was winning those games, everyone was buying into them, but now the hype's kind of died off. Can UCLA get back into the Pac-12 race this weekend? I think they do. I think after last week, it looks like they beat Arizona on the road. Um, pretty convincingly as well. I'm still a really big fan of Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's thrown for over 1,200 yards this year with 11 tutties. I think him and this offense is a good mixture, and it's a good combination. I think they have the ability on Fox at 7.30 p.m. to go on the road and beat a Washington team this year that's not really as impressive as they've been in years past. Yeah, Thompson-Robinson, he did not have a good performance last week against Arizona. 8 for 19 for only 82 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He bounces back this week and has a big one against Washington. They get back into Pac-12, race for the title. But that will do it for our college football predictions for this upcoming weekend. And that will do it for the first half of the scoreboard on this Thursday afternoon. On the other side of this break, we will predict this upcoming weekend of the NFL right here on WGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, this is Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We're currently hungry. Talk about Culver's here in the radio booth. I mean, hey, look, I think it was Justin Ferguson that made the joke that, you know, Auburn took a loss to Penn State, but then they went into their territory and took you know, a little something from them, and that's Culver's, because that's based out of Wisconsin. Well, now I'm hungry. Well, I'm sorry, babe. It's okay. I, I had, had Niffers earlier today. Really? Yes. I had chicken salad great. chick on campus. Dining dollars, because I'm broke. <laughs> Anyways, let's go that's ahead. That's life. Yes. Well, when you're a college student. It's the life. I work, but I'm broke. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> isn't that the story for everybody? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and move on. If you missed the first half of the show, you can go back and listen to the first half of today's scoreboard episode anywhere you find your podcast. 
Uh, Jacob and I will be editing and uploading this episode right after we get off the air today, so it should be up rather shortly after today's episode ends. So if you want to go back and listen, feel more than welcome wherever you find podcasts. And if you want to call in today, 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345 is the number two dial. Getting into NFL Week 6 schedule, we're going to go ahead and look at some of the really good matchups this weekend. I'm uh, going to predict some of these and get our takes on the games that will be occurring. Tonight, Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champions, traveling to Philadelphia. Tom Brady does have an injured thumb uh, after hitting it on the helmet of a defender last week, so we'll see if that has any sort of physical effect on him. Jacob, who do we have in this game, um, especially with Philadelphia coming off of a win last week against your Panthers? Yeah, I'm picking – yeah, yeah. Way to remind Sorry. me. Yeah, the Bucks. I think, will win this one. I think they'll win it. Not too easily. I think it's going to be a slow start. You know, Brady will have to figure it out with a thumb and things. It's, the weather isn't going to be too cold, so it sh- that won't be a factor. Um, I kind of thought it would be, but, yeah, I'm picking the Bucks, and I think they went pretty easily. Yeah, I don't think the thumb will bother him too much. He said something about if it was my left hand, I wouldn't even think twice about it, but since it's my right hand, I have to sort of act real gingerly with it. So, right. uh, moving on. Miami and Jacksonville over across the big pond over there in London. Uh, 8.30 a.m. kickoff again. Not a matchup just like last week. You need to... Make sure you're up in time for <laughs> Don't set your alarm, guys. No, yeah. Um, do Brian Flores and the Dolphins, a three-point favorite, uh, get this one done? Or does Jacksonville find their first win of the year among controversy in their clubhouse? You know what? I think that's the latter is what happens. I do think the Jaguars get it done. I mean, look, the Dolphins, we, we praised them before the season. We try to keep praising them. Say, oh, it's just bad luck. Nah. The Jaguars, they tried to show life against the Titans. And that was enough for me to say this week, Weird week in London, they're going to get it done. I agree. I think Trevor Lawrence steps up over in Europe, um, and I think they get it done for the first one of the year, and Miami uh, begins to panic as they'll move to 1-5. and five. Moving on, a NFC North matchup at 12 p.m. Green Bay's first, or second, sorry, 12 p.m. matchup of the year. Their first one was last week in that kicking <laughs> kicking duel. Woo, that was fun. That's a We could have an hour podcast. That, on. I was thinking that. That was just... Make a documentary out of that, <laughs> honestly. I need to show... Remind me after the show, I have a TikTok to show you oh, about no. that. It's hilarious. Oh, no. Uh, anyways, Green Bay traveling to Chicago. Justin Fields going to make the start once again. Green Bay is a five-point favorite. What are we looking at in this game, and who do we think wins? Yeah, I think what I'm looking at is the Packers to be able to close it out whenever they have the lead because maybe their veteran kicker can make one to close it you out. You know, that's what I thought. That's what I thought was they splash that graphic. They made twenty-something straight field goals, and he missed two or three in a row. I mean, I, I really think Green Bay gets it done easily this weekend. Justin Fields will be a little bit more comfortable because he's at home. The Packers defense isn't, you know. It isn't a bunch of killers like the Rams or a team like that is. So I, I think Green Bay gets it done. Fields looks okay. Packers by touchdown. Yeah, I think the key for Green Bay is going to be letting Aaron Rodgers really air it out. I mean, of course. But just because of the Khalil Mack and the front seven that uh, Chicago offers, their uh, secondary in the defense isn't really their strong suit. So Green Bay, I think they're going to win on the road by a touchdown. They'll keep it close the entire game. But I think towards the end, they have a key drive. Cincinnati. The surprise in the NFC North traveling to Houston um, after a brutal loss to Green Bay last week. Does Detroit get their first win at home in a a three-and-a-half-point spread game? So that's one question. The other question is, in what crazy way will Detroit lose this week? Because they keep (laughs) losing on game-winning field goals and other things. So I don't know. Maybe Joe Joe Burrow looked good last week. He's looked good throughout the season. I'm waiting for him to take the next step, though. And I think to do that, you got to do it against a bad team. Not that Detroit is a super bad team. They're super unlucky. Probably one of the better 0-5 teams ever. But I do think Joe Burrow comes in, throws for 350 to 400 yards, 
and he gets the job done. Yeah, I've, I'm going to go with Burrow as well. I think it'll be really close. Detroit's been playing everybody, especially recently, close. I mean, they've lost by two, then 10 by two again. Um, and they only lost by eight to San Francisco in a shootout. So I like the Bengals on the road, but I think it could come down to a key drive in the fourth quarter. Moving on, Houston traveling to Indianapolis really quick because this game's not as interesting, especially with Indianapolis dropping that lead last week. Uh, You were correct, though. You said watch for Indianapolis in Monday Night Football, um, and I didn't take you seriously, and I should have. Yeah, they they tried it, but then Lamar Jackson decided that he wanted to make a name for himself, have the best passing game of his career. We're not talking about that, though. We're talking about the Colts, and I like the Colts because of what they showed early on. It's not like the Texans are good, so I think the Colts will put it on them. Yeah, I agree. I think the Colts at home, I think they get their second one of the year. Uh, Not really more to say about that one. Rams traveling to New York. Uh, But a lot of talk about the Rams lately, especially with the way they've played this year. Only one loss on the year to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, The spread is nine and a half in favor of the Rams. Let me tell you, it should be double that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I think it's pretty easy where we're going with this game. I mean, here's the thing. The Giants are just so depleted. I mean, Saquon, did you see that softball he had in his ankle? Yeah. And then Daniel Jones, the way he was concussed, I mean, that was scary. Real like, quick. The way he was stumbling, that was scary. Somebody brought this up on Twitter the other day before we move on real quick. Do you think it's time after this season to move on from Jones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just I, making sure we're on that same page. The way, see, he's injury prone. He turns the ball over too much. I mean, he's only got, he's at 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. That doesn't get it done. You've got to put the ball in the end zone. And he's not doing that. And he won't be doing it this week because he's out with a concussion. So. Oh, he says he's questionable, but I don't think he should be playing the way he walks off that field. He just stumbled it. One of the talks of the NFL has been the Kansas City Chiefs and the way they've started this year. They're two and three, traveling to a fellow team that is also two and three, the Washington hey, football team. They're two and three in completely different ways. I <laughs> completely different ways. I could not agree more. Uh, what team moves to three and three this week, and what team drops to two and four? Chiefs easily, and I think that Patrick Mahomes goes berserk against yeah. the team because the defense for Washington has not been what we thought it would be this year. And I really think... Well, now Patrick, there's the Chiefs. They, yeah, now, now, you've, now you've got a real test. And I think that that real test, Washington fails. Yeah, I think Washington's going to drop it at home. The Chiefs' defense is without a doubt a huge dilemma that's got to be addressed um, before the trade deadline, and if not immediately once the season ends. Um, I like the Chiefs on the road. I think Mahomes has a great comeback game, um, and he makes sure that people do not forget about them in that division. Your Carolina Panthers, Jacob, they're going to be hosting the Minnesota Vikings on Fox at 12 p.m. Um, the spread is one, and it is not in favor of y'all. Do you think your home team Panthers win it? I mean, they've got to at this point, right? You should, especially against a they've Kirk Cousins. got I mean. to. Well, I mean, the Vikings just, they're kind of similar to the Lions. The only reason they had that second one is because they were playing the Lions. And I really think that the Panthers showed good things against the Cowboys. Early on, they showed good things against the Eagles. You got to close out games. Sam Darnold cannot be turnover prone. And hopefully, Chris McCaffrey's back. I'm picking the Panthers. Yeah, especially if McCaffrey's back, I like Carolina. Simple as that. I'm I'm just anti-Minnesota. Just You know I always have been, but yeah, of course. I just I really like y'all in this game. Baltimore, coming off that crazy Monday Night Football win against Indianapolis, hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, one of the better teams in the NFL, and this might be one of the better matchups That's of what the week. Say. This yeah. game, I wish, was at 3 o'clock. Of course, you got Cardinals-Browns, which should be fun. And a few other games, Cowboys, Patriots. But this is the game I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah. Lamar Jackson coming off his best passing performance ever. Justin Herbert coming off that shootout against the Browns. Yeah. You cannot ask for a better matchup, you know, in week six. That, yeah. This is what we want. So where am I going with it? You know, I'm probably just going to pick the home team. 
Ooh. I'm picking the Ravens. Mm, we can't agree on that one. I'm picking the Ravens, and I, I, you know, I don't know if they cover. It's I only thought two and a half. You, I thought you were about to pull it out, and I was <laughs> going with you. I'm going with the Chargers on the road. Uh, I love Herbert. I love Herbert. I love the balance attack they have with him and Eckler. Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's cool to see Lamar Jackson being a leading rusher <laughs> and passer, but I mean, it's also got to be highly discouraging. That's what I was going to mention was, you know, look at the passing yards and look at the rushing yards. And I mean, Lamar Jackson has eight less rushing yards than Austin Eckler on nine less carries or 11 less carries. And he has the same amount of passing yards with 40 less attempts as Justin Herbert. So I like the Chargers. You like the Ravens. We differ on that one. America's game of the week on Fox. Cleveland hosting Arizona. This one is set up to be a huge game with the last undefeated team in the NFL. Do we like the hometown Browns in this one? I don't know. I'm going with them. I was home field advantage. Yeah. Cleveland's going to be rocking. I like them. They need to be rocking because lately it's just been, I mean, look at the way they blew that blew that game last week. That's my issue. That's why I'm not going to pick the Browns was because of just how bad it was last week to lose that game. Fair, fair. I'm picking the Cardinals, and I think, I don't know what their next week's game is. This might be the end of their undefeated streak, though, if it's not against. They're playing the Texans. Never mind. The Packers game is where it ends. <laughs> no, I like the Browns at home. The way they've played the last few weeks, I think they still have something to prove to make sure that people don't forget about them, the AFC. Right. Um, and I think Arizona's going to take their first loss on the road this week. Um, I think Mayfield will have a good game. The Las Vegas Raiders, man, what a controversial week they've had. We Broncos. Yeah. Broncos. Yeah. We won't get into it. We'll just give our picks. The Broncos, I like them at home as well. Um, and the Raiders are going to put themselves in even deeper of a hole. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big week for Derek Carr. He needs to lead and do his thing uh, with everything that's surrounding the, the franchise. So we'll, we'll see how the Raiders respond. A AFC-NFC matchup in Foxborough. The Patriots host America's team. Does Dallas go into Foxborough being the favorites and pull it out? Yeah, probably. I don't like Mac Jones, what he's been doing. I think he's kind of in a slump right now that he might come out of towards the middle of the season, you know, around week eight, week nine, where he really starts showing his talent. But right now, I'm taking the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I know we say every year, like, this is the year for the Cowboys, but they've actually pretty much backed it up so far this year. Um, I mean, even week one of their first loss of the year. So I like the Cowboys on the road. I like Dak, the veteran, over a young rookie and Mac Jones. Um, easy, real Real easy pick for me. Seattle traveling to struggling <laughs> Pittsburgh. Man, what a Sunday night football uh, matchup. You've got yeah. old Ben Roethlisberger, injured Russell Wilson, who won't be playing. So you got Geno Smith. I, I like the Steelers because I don't like Geno Smith. No, I completely agree. That's the biggest thing with me is Wilson being out. Um, and I think a big thing to do, too, is also Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be out for the year yeah. uh, for the Steelers. So huge loss for them. But uh, regardless, I like them at home. Just, uh, just by the way, this is the lowest over-under of the week. Yeah, uh, and for good reason. You have yeah. Big Ben and Geno Smith. <laughs> um, and then last game of the week, we have Monday Night Football, and that is going to be Tennessee hosting Buffalo. This could be a very interesting matchup. You know, I think the Titans fight hard. I think the Bills win, but the Titans cover. Yeah, I think the Bills win as well. I mean, Josh Allen's been an animal. Did you see that hurdle last week? Yeah. That was nasty. Moving on. On the other side of the break, Jacob and I are going to get into the MLB postseason. Don't go anywhere. It's the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to The Scoreboard for the final segment on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WEGLFM.com. If you miss any part of the show, remember, wherever you find your podcast, you can go back and listen to myself, Jacob Hillman, and my co-host, Bay Marks, as we're about to get into Major League Baseball's postseason 
discussion. As we mentioned earlier, both of our teams safely in to the championship series. You'll be facing some trash can bangers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The Braves, we find out who they will face tonight. But let, let's look back, and let's talk about our two division series that we wrapped up this past week. We'll start with the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, we dropped game one in Tampa. I mean, I think everybody kind of saw that coming, especially after the high we were riding um, from beating New York in the wild card game. We lost 5-0, get shut out. Uh, and then we battled back, and we win a high-scoring game, 14-6. to um, Travel back to Fenway and just grind out two close victories, 6-4 to in game three. Um, and then obviously game four in the ALDS was where the Red Sox won it, and it was probably the more entertaining game of the series. Um, I think the biggest thing in this game was just the continuation of the red hotness um, from Kike Hernandez. Uh, or I'm sorry. Why am I reading this wrong? From Kike, uh, he just has been white hot the past several games, and he continued that. Um, we took an early lead, and Tampa really stormed back, um, and they, I mean, they tied it up in the eighth inning, and then we had to hit a walk-off um, there at the end to win it. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter. We beat the 100 win. Tampa Bay Rays, the AL East champions for this year, so we're the only team from the AL East left in the, uh, in the playoffs. You know, fun, fun to brag about, isn't it? it, it it's even better it, when... When two of the teams, you beat them. Yeah. To get to this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to enjoy it now. I, I'm going to be completely honest before, before I spoil my pick. I really think we advance to the World Series now. Like, before the Divisional Series, I was like, it's been fun, but, like, Tampa's going to beat us, and then they're going to go face whoever. I think we're the hottest. Like, we have all the momentum in the MLB right now. I would say so. I think it's us. Behind us is either y'all or whoever wins the NLDS tonight. To beat the 100-win Rays the way the Red Sox did, absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you. I I almost say they're my favorite to win the whole thing, but I won't do that to you. 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 Um... I also want to talk about that play on, I guess it was, I don't know what night it was. It might have been Sunday night when, yeah, it was Sunday night when I think it was Kiermaier hit it to the right field wall, bounced off the wall into y'all's right fielder's leg and out. I mean, that was chaos. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you say it's in the past and we can't change they it. They ruled it correctly. Yeah. I mean, the way the rule is written, the way the rule is written, they did it correctly. The issue is the rule sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's a terrible ruling where – the guy, was it a Rosarina? I don't know if it was a Rosarina. I forget who it was. I mean, he was at third base. Yeah. Like, that should have been a run because I think the way it should be phrased is based off where it last touched in play. So, obviously, if it hits off its head, goes out of play, well, I guess that's technically a home run. But if <laughs> if it bounces off the ground and off the wall and a player's at sec- or almost at second base, but then a player picks it up and, just somehow loses it, and they're halfway to third base at that point. That that should be a run. Well, and I think he shouldn't I, be at fir- he shouldn't be at third base. He should be at home. I think I remember seeing a tweet uh, after, or it was actually right after it happened during Game Four. It was before the game ended, where somebody was like, "The ghost of Kiermaier gets his revenge." Because Kiermaier, I believe, was the one that threw out Verdugo right. at third base late in the game uh, in the eighth inning, I believe it was. Um, and as a Red Sox fan, I was just pissed. But I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? I was like, the way the Kiermaier call went, I was like, I'm just gonna leave it as it is. But um, speaking of questionable calls, yeah, go you want to you want to go ahead and go ahead and get into the Rave series. You you take it from me. you take it from me. Well, I, I'll give a very vague description because I wasn't watching the game live when this happened. Yeah, uh, we, we were I, with each other. Yeah. Um. So, to my knowledge, that foul ball that was hit, um, was caught. Was it the third baseman? 
It was. Um, and it was not in real time. It looked like it was caught, and they go back to review it because they thought it might have hit the ground. And I mean, it's just clear as day that the baseball touches the dirt and bounces into his glove. I mean, am I wrong? Oh, it's very odd. I mean, it's it's clear. I mean, it doesn't matter now. But just like the the run we were talking about in the Philly series earlier this season, I mean, it's clear as day. And I mean, it still stood, correct? Yes, it did. And you know what it ranked on SportsCenter Top 10 Plays? Was it number one? It ranked number one. Well, uh, you know what? I don't care. Which doesn't matter. But. We do not care. Braves are in the NLCS, so that, that sucks. And the Brewers are at home. You hate to see the Brewers waste, <laughs> you know, not use Corbin Burns. Yeah. You know, I hate to see it. Yeah. All right, don't, don't get me fired up because I just watched it again. Well, let's, really no, mad. but let's focus on the positives. Right. Uh, Braves advance to the NLCS. Without Jorge Soler, who has COVID, and probably will not be back until the World Series, mm-hmm. assuming the Braves make it. Yeah, it's 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 something exciting for me because I'm just glad Freddie Freeman showed up. This is, how he, this is what he does every year in the playoffs. He disappears completely. But in the biggest moments, he does what he needs to do. He Whether it's just get on base or hit a home run like you get to the other night, he did it. And, you know, some players aren't having the best, uh, best I would say, series. But I really think that Ozzy Albies, if he figures it out, got a chance. The big thing is, like, Adam Duvall, stop base running like like, like, like a child. Like, yeah. he's, he got thrown out twice on just mental mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, you clean up those, those messes. Plus, this series was such a slugfest. I mean, think about it. Go through three games, it was one of, like, seven or eight playoff series ever. It's only the second in the 21st century to have nine runs or less total through three three games. That's a wild stat. And that's yeah. just what it is. When, when you got Corbin Burns and Woodruff against Max Free and Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson, you've got pitching stardom. You're not going to score a lot of runs on that. And taking a step back, really looking at the the Brave series and the Red Sox series from as a as a whole standpoint, what makes it even sweeter is these are two teams that nobody thought would get to the championship series. No. Not even with the Braves being champions of their own division. Right. Um, so I think that's just kind of what makes it even sweeter. But like Jacob said earlier, the Red Sox will be facing the Astros, the cheating Astros. I got into it this morning on Compact Discourse about that. Oh, my gosh. One, one other thing I should mention before we move on. Yep. I mean, how can I go without missing Jocktober? Yeah. I mean, this is going down. This is Jocktober. And Jock Peterson just, obviously, he wasn't even starting until Solaire went down with COVID. He he was the pinch hitter, and he was three for three pinch hitting. Yeah. He had a home run, then he had a single up the middle that he hit about 115 miles an hour. And then, of course, the game winner, the three-run home run at home to really put the Braves in position to clinch the next day. It was something that has actually never been done before. He's There's never been a pinch hitter hit two home runs in the same series. Yeah. And he did it. It's going down. It is going down. Moving on. There you go. Tonight, since we are running out of time, uh, we do have to be out of the studio today. We're going to go ahead and move on to the NLDS tonight. The One of the biggest rivalries in baseball, the Dodgers and the Giants face off in a crucial Game 5 in the NLDS. Winner goes on to face your Braves. Who's it going to be? Well, the Dodgers actually replaced their starter, which, has been, which is really interesting to me. I don't like that move. I love Julio Urias, but they replaced him with Corey Neal, who has not started this year. You know? I like I'm the taking, Giants. I'm taking the Giants, too. I think it'll be the Giants versus y'all. I just like the home field advantage. It is going to be rocking. Watch that game. This time next Watch week, that game. we'll be speaking about hopefully the end of this series and moving on to a World Series discussion. Um, Between the Red Sox and Braves? We're, hey, we're going to make a trip to Atlanta if that happens, <laughs> knock on wood. Hey, I, I will, I'll, I'll rake out the money for that. So uh, I've never been to a pro sporting event. I was ready to rake out the money for the NBA Finals if the Hawks made it. So World Series, I'm there. 
If you missed today's show, go back and listen to it wherever you may find your podcast. As for Jacob Hillman, I'm Bay Mark saying so long and see you next week on the scoreboard. WEGL 91.1 FM. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.